It is Sunday, November 15th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. UFC Vegas 14 went down on Saturday. Do a quick recap of that and the memorable moments of the fight card. Tony Gravely looked really good with his wrestling, but outside of that wrestling, he was kind of limited, and he faded a little bit down the stretch. But if he can develop a more well-rounded game, might be worth watching. If he's stuck with just his wrestling, he's not going to have a a very long run, but it'll be fun to watch his wrestling, at least. Um, Women's strawweight, we had Kanako Murata and Randa Marcos. Murata looked excellent. Um, Her wrestling, her ground strikes, her strength, she just looked um, well, so well suited for the strawweight division, and I think she deserves a, a pretty hefty bump up in competition. Former Invicta FC champ, she didn't really have any problem running through Marcos. Um, she didn't finish her, but she got uh, three thirty twenty sevens on the card. Looked good in in getting that win. Marcos is in a a bad stretch, so I don't know how long she'll be with the UFC. Um, she did take this fight on short notice, so perhaps that'll save her. But I don't know. Uh, the other women's strawweight fight, Corey McKenna. And Kay Hansen had a, a, a good chance of becoming fight of the night before the main event took place. Uh, an exciting back-and-forth fight. A lot of people were unhappy with how it was scored, with McKenna winning a unanimous decision. I can see that, that going either way. It's all depending on what the judges favored or how they scored it. But I think by the, by the book, McKenna won. So I don't really... Th- think there's any reason to complain i didn't hear anybody say it was a robbery or anything like that Um, i don't think this is going to be the last time we see these two women face each other since they're both 21 they have a lot of time to develop Um, they look like they could be uh, upper echelon of the strawweight division and it all depends on coaching reps and what they do from here but i i i can see that they have excellent bases to work from and there's nothing saying that they will tail off, especially in the strawweight division. So very good, very good young fighters in that. And I would suggest you keep an eye on both of them. So Sean Strickland, uh, two years back, and he's now 2-0 and uh, since that long break due to an injury from a, what I believe was a motorcycle accident. He looked excellent. His striking just looked great. He wasn't really putting a lot on, the, on his strikes. But they were marking up Brendan Allen every time. I mean, they looked like arm punches, but Allen could not. He, he, he kept his head on the line, and Strickland just tuned him up before knocking him out. Uh, TKO in the second round. Strickland looked, looked really good. He, didn't, he looked calm, relaxed, and he just let his hands go as much as he needed to. And then when he, when he got him hurt, he, uh, he let fly and really, really took the fight to Allen. So Sean Strickland has looked good. In his two fights back since he was out for more than two years. Uh, Chaos Williams quite literally starched Abdul Razak Al-Hassan in 30 seconds. So he's two fights into his UFC run. And he has not fought for a minute yet. Total, total. So someone definitely to keep an eye on. I don't know much about him other than his hands. So this could be a misleading start for for Williams in his UFC career. But it's... uh, it, it is a hell of a start that he's got out there. So he looked so, so good. Um, tons of power, but 
we need to see him in a fight that's going to last more than 30 seconds and someone who's going to be able to test him in some way. But if we don't, we don't. And Williams just keeps knocking fools out. Definitely has a lot of power. But so he too is someone to keep an eye on. Main event was excellent. Uh, Dos Anjos got back in the lightweight mix, I think, in a big way. Uh, Felder, what he went through to get to the fight was taxing, and I don't think he loses any ground. And knowing that he is also going to be coming back and competing more regularly by the sounds of things, that's a plus. Uh, Felder is a tough fighter. He's someone who's going to give his all every fight. You don't have to worry about that. Um, Dos Anjos, same thing. You might not like Dos Anjos' style, but he's the kind of guy that's going to fight whoever's put in front of him. He looks for the toughest test. If he fails the test, he looks to get better in the next outing. And I think he's somehow underrated, probably because of his struggles. But look back on his record, probably one of the toughest runs of a, of a lightweight fighter in, in quite a while. Maybe one of the toughest runs of any UFC fighter in quite a while. So you can't, don't judge Rafael Dos Anjos by his, by his record judge him by his level of competition and how he looked in all those fights. So I think he will be in the mix, top five, top six of the lightweight division. At least he deserves to be. We'll see how that plays out. I think the run at welterweight was good for him. Gave him some experience against some bigger fighters. Um, it didn't pay off, but it may pay off now on his second run here at lightweight. So Los Anjos looked good, very good. Um, and I think... A, a run towards the title, a second run towards the UFC lightweight title is not out of the out of the realm of possibility for Dos Anjos and Felder. If um, you're a lightweight and you want to get into that upper echelon, you're going to have to go through Felder, and you might not be the same fighter once you do come out of that run with with Felder. Um, he's going to put it on anybody that challenges him, and I look forward to seeing him fight in the future as well. So. There's some. There was definitely some positives to come out of this card. Um, Murata, uh, Williams were the ones that were maybe unknown. McKenna, so they looked looked pretty good. Um, so those are the three fighters I would newer fighters that I would keep an eye on. And let's see how Dos Anjos goes in this uh, in this lightweight run. So should be something to watch there as well. So now the bad from for, uh, from Saturday's card. The weigh-ins, not good. Not good. How many people missed? One, two, three. Three people missed, and one fighter didn't make it to the scale. So I forget who was pulled off. Um, somebody was pulled the day before because of weight-related injuries, and I'm sorry, not weight-related injuries, weight-related issues. So one fighter was pulled. Abdul Razak Al Hassan made it to fight night. He weighed in at one seventy-two point five. Eric Anders, who weighed 187.5, did not make it to fight night. He was pulled. And Luis Smoka, who weighed 139, he was also pulled and didn't make it to fight night. So I don't know if their opponents are going to get paid. Um, I don't know if they are going to get paid since they weighed in, but were weighed in overweight. And they were, they were pulled from the event after the weigh-ins. The UFC in the intro said that these fighters were pulled for non-COVID-19 related reasons, which is good, I guess. But they were also then pulled for reasons, for health reasons, which ref, which I'm going to assume were related to the weight cuts, which is terrible. So the UFC cannot control COVID-19. It could do a better job of it by, by having safer and more protocols, at least at the apex. I know that Fight Island, where the protocol was run by Abu Dhabi, was much, much better. 
So we'll leave that at that. But to say that the UFC could not control or have an influence on these issues that the fighters were pulled after they weighed in and were deemed unhealthy and unable to fight, the UFC definitely has an input in that. Um, they could keep better controls during fight week if someone comes in over X amount, which is something um, California has been working on. If a fighter comes in X amount of pounds over for fight week, then they, and that's deemed an unhealthy weight cut, then perhaps you pull the fighter out upon their arrival uh, on whatever day that is, Monday, Tuesday, whenever they arrive. If they're at a spot in their weight cut that it's unhealthy, unsafe, pull them then. You could also have standards set and utilize the Performance Institute a little better or at all when it comes to weight cutting. Um, do some specific tests and get a baseline for every fighter. I think this would be a good idea. It's going to be expensive up front, but in the end, it's probably going to save fights and it's probably going to save health. These weight cuts are not healthy to begin with. Extreme weight cuts are extremely dangerous. To do them repeatedly, it's not like the body recovers fully after each one of these. You're doing damage each time you cut weight. And if you're doing an extreme weight cut, that's going to add up over time and it could lead to issues in the future. We can just look to Daniel Cormier with this. His his weight cuts when he was wrestling were, were extreme and he ended up not being able to compete in the Olympics because of one. And that's not something anyone wants. Uh, we kind of, no, we, well, we definitely know that the weight cuts are bad and we definitely know that no one should be doing them, but we pay lip service to it and nothing more. And this includes the UFC and most athletic commissions. California is an exception. They at least try to do things, but you can't watch every fighter year, year round if you're a commission. If you are the UFC, you 100% can watch every fighter year round. Again, it's an expense that would have to be absorbed, but it's not an impossible uh, it's not an impossible thing to do. Does the UFC want to do it? No, they don't. Because if they wanted to do it, they would have done this the day they opened up the PI. They would have flown everyone in and established baselines and safe weight cutting um, procedures. Didn't do it. They paid lip service to it, but they haven't done nothing about it other than pay lip service to it. And I just want to remind everyone that when COVID-19 came around, Dana White was out here telling us all that it's health and safety first for the UFC and its fighters. And I'm telling you, that's not true because we know it's not true because of the weight cuts. Now, people bring up that the sport's not, not inherently safe, and I would agree with that. You're going to get hurt in this sport. You're going to get physically injured. You're going to carry long-term injuries with you throughout the rest of your life. I think most fighters know that now and they weigh that or if they don't weigh it, they ignore it. They should be aware of it. And I think that's something that's inherent in all combat sports. You're going to get hurt, but you don't have to get hurt by weight cuts. And these are the injuries that are easy to ignore because they're not seen. You know, you can see someone get knocked out. You can see someone get a big, a bad cut. You can see someone get their ear nearly ripped off. But you can't see what is happening inside your body, inside your kidneys, while you cut weight. The only time you you know about it is when, usually, you're dehydrated, pass out, your kidneys stop functioning, and these are never good things. And the UFC and every other, and most every other promotion ignores that because it's easy to ignore. And most athletic commissions ignore it because it's easy to ignore. 
Someone's got to change it. And if the UFC wants to show us and show everyone how health and safety conscious they are, it is. And Dana White wants to say how health and safety conscious the UFC is. Well, then show us. Set up rules and guidelines on weight cutting. Until then, the UFC is not the number one health and safety conscious organization. It plays lip service to it. It does it little as it has to, to get by, and then brags about what it does. And that's not enough. So this fight card was once again a reminder that weight cutting needs to be at at least looked at and ideally done away with. And the UFC will say it doesn't have the power to do so, but it does because it has the power to do whatever it wants to its fighters. It, it makes the fighters give their uh, whereabouts at all times. So if it wanted to, you know, double up weight issue, weight cutting uh, with USADA and drug testing, it absolutely could do that, at least until the fighters get a union and get to negotiate these things. So don't let, don't let the UFC get away with telling people that it can't control these things. It absolutely can. UFC 255 is coming up on Saturday and Mike Perry is still in on the card and it's highly likely that he will fight. And it's somewhat surprising that Dana White really hasn't done a press conference since, I don't believe, since he tried to blame Perry's ex-wife for the domestic abuse she said resulted from her, well, during her marriage. I'm sorry, that, that took place during her marriage to Perry. And that is not good enough. I think White needs to acknowledge what was uh, spoken about by Perry's ex-wife. And I think I still believe that Perry should be investigated and pulled from the card. But I also believe that that's not going to happen because as with every other thing in the UFC, White and the promotion pay lip service to certain things and ignore them when it makes sense, such as domestic violence. We know it's not a big issue. White will say it's a big issue. He'll act like it's a big issue. Meanwhile, he'll promote Greg Hardy. He'll ignore Mike Perry. He'll re-sign Anthony Johnson. So something needs to be done on this front as well. But what is going to be done? It's hard to tell. But as of now, it seems as if nothing is going to be done. And I think that's going to be it for tonight. And I will be back tomorrow. And until then, stay safe.